Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we are speaking with Kristen Harness. Kristen has a degree in computer science and studied business in Denver, Colorado. She worked as a procedure analyst and transitioned to real estate before beginning her work in anti-trafficking. She was first introduced to human trafficking and exploitation in 2004 during a trip to Thailand, where she witnessed firsthand the reality of trafficking and exploitation. She has spent over 14 years educating herself on the issues of trafficking in order to understand where it was happening, who it was happening to, why it was so prevalent, and what she could do to help. After learning about the extreme need for safe housing and supportive services for survivors of sex trafficking in Colorado, she formed a small group of people to begin getting started on changing this reality. Extended Hands of Hope was formed in late 2013 and has grown significantly since then. Kristen knows through her own life experience that hope for a better future is possible. She is currently working on a new for-profit business venture called Executive 31, which seeks to encourage, uplift, and honor women who are changing the world for the better. Kristen has been married to Bobby for almost 15 years, and they have two amazing children. We're recording for Glow Podcast Row in New York City. I'm a little tired. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. But it's day. been exciting. Yeah. And we're here with Kristen Harness, and I'm so excited to talk to you. We met yesterday. We mm-hmm. were the first ones here, and yep. we immediately connected. Yep. So, Kristen, tell us about your company and yep. where we can connect with you. Awesome. I would love to. Well, I founded a nonprofit, Extending Hands of Hope, a little over six years ago. And our mission at Extending Hands of Hope is to offer safe housing and supportive services to survivors of sex trafficking. So we are based out of Colorado. We mostly work with kiddos that were born and raised in Colorado, but we also work with kids that come from different states or out of the country. And at the nonprofit, we have a safe home for girls ages 11 to 17, a community-based program, a licensed school, and a job training program. And so the idea behind Extending Hands of Hope is really to show these young girls that they didn't deserve to be abused and to give them a childhood and an opportunity to heal from what they've gone through. And then I also have Executive 31, which I'm really excited about. It's a new business that I'm in the process of opening up right now. And the idea behind Executive 31 is to create a digital community that supports, encourages, and lifts up other female nonprofit executives. Because during my time in this role, it's been really hard. It's a really difficult role to be in. Mm -hmm. And you have so many people that you have to please all the time when you're in the nonprofit world. You have to please donors and 
your board and staff and your clients and it can just become a lonely space and so i realized during this that a lot of women in my shoes and in my position feel the same way and so i want an opportunity to connect these women I'm fascinated by these incredible nonprofit women who are sacrificing their lives to make this world a better place. And I want to highlight their stories and I want to encourage them and I want to speak life into them and let them know that they've got this, you know, and create a community around that. So we're developing an app. And again, we're in the beginning stages. So I'll let you guys know more about that when we have opportunities to connect with that. But that sounds exciting and it yeah. sounds like a podcast is in the making soon. I oh, would love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about it. It's needed. So sex trafficking, that's important work. Yeah. And it's hard work. It's heart work and passion work. Yep. So what did you do before that? I was an analyst at an oil and gas service company in downtown Denver. And then I raised my kids. I was a stay-at-home mom as well for a while. And what shifted you to work in this type of passion work? Yeah. You know, it really boils down to things that I experienced when I was young. I experienced not having my dad around. My dad was abusive to my mom. He was in and out of my life, going through a lot of the, you know, negative repercussions of a young girl not having her dad around. I experienced sexual assault at the age of 14. I was raped by a stranger at the age of 17 in downtown Denver at a bar and left alone on the streets. I experienced sexual exploitation by leadership in a local church that I was attending. So out of those experiences, I was just so broken, just in such a dark place, and I hated myself. I hated myself so much that I actually created this false identity, and I went by this different name, And I hung around gangs and I was just in a lot of environments that were really destructive and violent and, you know, full of drugs and partying and all that. I actually got expelled from every school in Denver for an entire year for being so violent. And I was just so broken. Mm -hmm. But I was able to come out of that. And for me, I'm a Christian lady. And so when... I finally like really hit rock bottom and I was like, I've got to change. This cannot be the rest of my life. I can't live like this anymore. And God really touched my heart and I began healing and that changed me and that changed my outlook on things. And it took me from just looking within and looking at all the stuff that I had gone through and all the self-pity that I had. My heart just began to be really compassionate towards other young girls and women that were going through sexual trauma and sexual violence. And I knew that I wanted to do something to help these girls know that there was hope for healing for them. And what that did is that brought me to Thailand, Pattaya, Thailand in 2004. And I went on a trip there and it was my first encounter with human trafficking. I had never heard the term before. You How know, did you encounter that? It's all around. So I went to this city called Pattaya, Thailand. And Pattaya is 62 miles southeast of Bangkok. And when I was there 15 years ago, 70% of the population was involved in prostitution. So it's a sex tourism town. So everywhere you look, 
it's Western men and Thai women and children. And so that's just all around you. That's what these men go there for. And when we're talking to the locals and everything, and they're telling us about what goes on in the city. And I just couldn't believe it. And for me, you know, again, my heart was already so compassionate towards women going through things like this. But to me, human trafficking was the worst because not only did you have this young girl or this woman that was being raped and sexually assaulted multiple times on a daily basis, you also had somebody else profiting off of that. And to me, that was the most disturbing thing. And I just knew from that point that I needed to do something about it, that I couldn't know about this happening and then not do anything about it. You say that most of the clients are from the U.S. Yeah, the United States is one of the top buyers of commercial sex and involvement in sex trafficking. It's really disturbing. And that's the trouble is that sex trafficking exists because there's such a demand for it. There's a demand for sex with children in the United States, in New York, in Colorado. And that's the most disturbing part of it all. Mm -hmm. But coming back from Thailand, I spent years educating myself on the issue of human trafficking. I wanted to know more about it, what it was, who it was happening to, and how I could help. And I found that Colorado had some of the highest instances of reported child sex trafficking, and there was a huge lack of services. There was no safe home for these girls so that when law enforcement would recover a girl from a sex trafficking situation, average age of entry into the commercial sex industry is 12 years old. Over 90% of these kiddos have a past history of sexual abuse. So you're talking about girls that know nothing but abuse and neglect in their life. And then when they get quote unquote, rescued out of this situation, they were going to jail or they were going to detention centers because there was no place for them to go. And I really just raised my hand quite literally and was like, I'm going to open up a safe home for these girls. And that's how Extended Hands of Hope started. And that's how I really made a pivot in my career and what I wanted to do with my life. I never thought that I would be running a nonprofit I didn't go to school for that. I went to school for computer science. and But this just so called my heart. heart. And you a beautiful mind. Yeah. Well, I can't do computer science anymore. But, but you could um, if you wanted eh, to. Maybe. I don't want to. Yeah, my heart just was called to this. Do you work with law enforcement? Because I know mm-hmm. that it's important to work in conjunction with them and to educate. Oh, yeah. We've done trainings with two law enforcement. Okay. Uh, but we also work very closely with them. We work with law enforcement, we work with FBI, we work with social services because uh, a lot of these kids, unfortunately, have a lot of interaction with those people. And so we not only want to be a resource for these girls, but we also wanted to be a resource for law enforcement because at the end of the day, when you know we would sit there before we were open and we had the safe home, and people would say, well, how dare they, you know, take these girls and put them in jail? And I said the same thing. I'm like, you know, shame on you for doing that. But they're like, well, what else are we supposed to do with these girls? We don't have anywhere else to bring them. At least if they're in jail, we know where they are and they're not on the streets it's anymore. Safer. Right. It was like the right. lesser evil option. And so we wanted to provide resources for law enforcement, too, because they can't do everything. So we really respect and work closely with them. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Everyone has a voice, whether expressed or dormant, and Master Your Swag podcast was created to help you showcase your voice. 
It's a unique platform that affords high-level opportunity seekers like yourself, whether you're seeking a job, a client, or a partner, the chance to feature your insights, knowledge, expertise, experience, passion, and vision, and deliver your message to prospective employers, clients, or partners. It's an opportunity to connect your voice to your brand, to glow and get noticed. So when you send out that resume, that proposal, or that important email, you attach a unique link that will connect the recipient directly to your episode on Master Your Swag podcast. You connect your voice to your resume, to your brand, and get noticed. Go to MasterYourSwag.com to claim your spot on Master Your Swag podcast. That's MasterYourSwag.com. And how long has your organization been up? A little over six years. Aftercare, I know, is really important. What kind of aftercare do you provide? That's what we focus on. We are a restorative aftercare program. We do some preventative activities but mostly we do aftercare so that's through the safe home so really the girls that we're working with unfortunately have already been trafficked and have already been exploited Um, we do work with some girls that are what would be considered high risk meaning they're not quite identified as a victim of human trafficking yet but they're identified as high risk to being trafficked and so in that sense we're working with them to try to prevent them from being trafficked but we're providing them with a safe space to live we have a therapist there full-time a 24 7 program we have 32 employees that work around the clock with these kiddos Uh, we have like i said earlier a licensed school a lot of these kids are two to five six years behind in school and so what i love about our school is we can really individualize their academic plan and we work with them no matter where they're at. And so, I mean, we had one girl who was 12 years old, but academically she was at a kindergarten level and developmentally she was at a six-year-old level. And we were able to create a safe, comfortable space for her to work on things that a kindergartner would work on without her feeling ashamed in front of any of the other girls. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to us is that we're able to individualize their treatment program. They're usually coming to us and they're in crisis mode. And so we're trying to help them stabilize their situation, help them to see that there are safe people out there to build a trusting relationship with them and to help them see that there are resources for them. Because at the end of the day, they're young, but they still have to make the decision to want to use the resources that we provide for them. Those are all the services we give. Most importantly, what we do is we show these girls that they're loved and there's a community out there that loves them and supports them and wants nothing in return. We don't demand anything from them. We are just here to support them and to be there for them. And as an adult survivor, do you ever get triggered? Oh, yeah. Even though I wasn't trafficked, you know, I went through a lot of, like I said, sexual offenses Mm -hmm. and I had to face up to what I had gone through because I just started talking about my story maybe like a year and a half ago and I'm almost 40. And the reason I had to... That's about when it happens, you know. Yeah, I had to because I was experiencing a lot of vicarious trauma and secondary trauma, which is basically this trauma coming up in me from the trauma that I was around, that I was hearing all the time. And again, I've been in anti-trafficking for over 15 years. And I'm the kind of person that 
I really take that on. Like I think about it all the time. I want to do something all the time. I really take that seriously. I'm very, um, show a lot of empathy towards that. Yeah. And it really wears on me. And, And I have found myself over the last six years having a lot of burnout, going through depression, going through a lot of anxiety, being overwhelmed. And I realized that I needed to talk to somebody about what I had gone through because I knew that if I was going to give my best to these girls, which is what they deserve, I needed to be healed too. I needed to take my own medicine and walk the talk. I've dealt with that, but you know, I started meeting with somebody a year and a half ago and I've been working on what I've gone through and it's been really a healing process for me. So, you know, statistics say that one in 10 people share the same situation where they've been abused. Mm -hmm. I think it's much higher than that. What is some advice that you can give our listeners, our viewers about um, when they're listening to this and they're Mm -hmm. activated in their heart or they're moved or triggered? What can they do to get help? Yeah. I think the most important thing is to talk to somebody and to realize that you're not alone. And for me, you know, I carried around almost these secrets, right, that I didn't tell people about. And I thought I could just forget, just pretend like that didn't happen and it wasn't affecting me today. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. I would venture to bet that some of the challenges that you're having in your life or some of the mountains you keep going around again and again and again that you're trying to get past and overcome. A lot of times for me, I realized that what was holding me back from full freedom in my life was that I wasn't talking to anybody about what I'd gone through. I wasn't facing what I had gone through. And so I think it's so important to just find somebody, somebody that you trust. Uh, For me, it was a therapist. I don't trust a whole lot of people. And so I went to a licensed therapist and we started talking through things and they're trained in how to help you when you're feeling triggered or to help you work through that stuff. And that was a really, really powerful step for me. And it was a decision that needed to happen. So I do encourage people don't Try to pretend like it didn't happen. Don't be afraid to talk about it. You don't have to share it with the public, but you should find somebody, one person that you can talk to because it really, really is freeing. I wrote down trust because trust Mm -hmm. is an issue. I think it's a thread that runs through this narrative. People who have been abused, they often struggle with trusting again. Yeah. But what that can do is it can also shut off possibilities Mm -hmm. for the future. Talk to me about trust. Talk to Mm -hmm. me about your journey with trust and how you're looking to open that up. Mm -hmm. That's tough. (laughs) I know. Oh, it's tough. Don't ask my husband about that. No, I mean, it's a survival tactic. You know, when you've gone through things, it's really difficult. In order to trust, you really have to be vulnerable. And I don't like being vulnerable. I like to protect myself because I don't want to hurt the way that I hurt before. And so trust is difficult for me. It's something that I've been married for almost 15 years now. And in April, it'll be 15 years. And I think I'm just now starting to trust that my husband actually loves me. And has your best interest at heart. Yes, and has my best interest at heart, really cares about me, and isn't just using me for something. I'm just now starting 
to believe that and receive that. So And that's hard on the partner. It's so hard. I mean, I'm so thankful, honestly, that he's still around <laughs> because especially in the beginning, you know, I really I put him through hell because mm-hmm. I just assumed that he was gonna do what my dad did to me, what those guys did to me. And as much as I wanted to trust him and not feel that way, that's how I would just react to everything and how I was wired. And so I really had to rewire and renew my way of thinking. And again, that's just been a process that I've been working on just a little over a year. I want to be able to trust people again. I think that we we don't need to just be trusting everybody. You know, you need to pick and choose But especially with my husband, I do need to learn to trust him because I feel like that's how we're going to develop the deepest relationship that we can have. And I want to commend you because you have been vulnerable with us. You've been very trusting and giving us your story or sharing with us your story. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you. And I know that that's not easy. But I want to tell you that, I mean, as a survivor myself, Mm -hmm. keep practicing it. Keep moving in that direction. And what you said, you know, I have to take my own medicine. Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you for that. So tell me your vision for your organization. Mm -hmm. Well, my vision for Extending Hands of Hope is to grow it. We need to open up more homes. Over the Christmas holiday, we had over 20 girls on our wait list. There is such a need for more of our services. So we want to open up more homes and we'd like to take our programming that we've really done a great job developing and building over the last six years and replicate it in other cities that don't have resources so that we can help more girls. That's the bottom line is there's such a great need out there for more girls to receive services, to hear that there's hope and to get out of the system and to start healing. And so that's for Extending Hands of Hope. For Executive 31, my vision is to grow a global community of women that are supporting each other, inspiring each other, lifting each other up. I just want to highlight these women. I want to find every way possible to highlight these women that are working in nonprofits because you never get into the nonprofit world to make money or for recognition you know you get into it because you have a genuine heart to see this world change you know and to change for the better and so these women are not looking for that recognition but i want to support them i want to recognize them so i'm seeing it on a global level and really through this app and through in real life conferences too so i'm excited to get this started because there's not a whole lot of support within this community like this. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that. Thank you. Now, I have one last question for you. Yesterday, we had a speaker who asked, what one word would you never use? Yeah. And you said something. Can you share that with us? I said child prostitute because there's no such thing as a child prostitute. I talk to people all the time about what we do, and I hear that phrase out of their mouth. I see it in news articles, in the media, those two words just don't go together. Legally, if we're going to go there, legally, a child cannot consent to sex. And second of all, a child that is in the commercial sex industry in any way, shape, or form is a victim of sex trafficking, not a prostitute. And so that's something that's a huge no-no. We'll never say. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, for educating us. Yeah. Um, And one last time, where can we connect with you? ExtendedHandsOfHope.org. 
and also follow us on social media. And then you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Kristen Renee Harness. It's been great talking to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.